0: Welcome to the show. I'm Alistair Stevens, And I'm Lonnie Diane Rich. And this is Dusted, your that time of the month Buffy the Vampire <laughs> Slayer podcast. I apologize for nothing this week. <laughs> episode 15 of season two, Phases. Yeah. Some complications here to Oz's trajectory through the series. Yeah. This is a beloved episode. Is Beloved it? by me, at least until watching it this time.
1: Really? So you always liked this episode?
0: I always liked Oz. I just no, really I've always liked, liked Oz. Oz, Oz
1: yes. Knowing Oz that makes this is this the work. episode that mm-hmm.
0: really starts his, you know, his heroic arc, if yeah. you like. This mm-hmm. is the episode that that marks his entry into, you know, the supernatural supernatural realm.
1: world. Yeah.
0: Uh, mm-hmm. And and watching it again this time, I have to say, I've while still liking Oz. Yeah. This is a problematic episode. Mm-hmm. There's some stuff here that is a little difficult to to parse yeah. and and remain kind of positive about. Yeah, <laughs> but we will get into all of that in due course. Of course. This episode aired on January the twenty seventh, nineteen ninety eight. Right there in that regular Tuesday slot, it was written by Rob Desotel and Dean Batali, and directed by Bruce Seth Green, reuniting the team that brought us in the very recent past, the Dark Age.
1: Yeah, mm-hmm. so
0: a pretty solid episode. Mm-hmm. I think we, we we were fairly positive about the Dark Age. Oh,
1: sure, it's one of my um, favorites. That's a strong
0: mm-hmm. that's a strong showing. One of the problems with this episode is that that it is an episode of parts, mm-hmm. and there is some stuff here that is really really good. Right. And there is some stuff here that is not bad, but troublesome. Yeah. I want to say right up front how much I like Oz, how much Mm -hmm. I love his relationship with Willow, how positive his presence is in the show and how much I'm looking forward to seeing more of him as we continue to move through season two and into season three. He's a, he's a great character, now, right?
1: No, Oz is fantastic and I think that's why I've always kind of given this uh, this episode just a little more leeway than, yeah, than, yeah. than many. I, I've, I've kind of whistled past it quite a bit <laughs> because I like... And the stuff with Oz, I mean, I like him. I like Seth Green. I like the way that he fits into the group. Um, and I actually like the fact that they gave him a supernatural element. I think... There's there's well, let's just talk about it. Yeah, we'll, let's we'll just get into the specifics. I will say before we before we move into
0: our breakdown, yeah. though, don't worry, you guys. Mm-hmm. This is no Ted. Yeah. <laughs> it's not that bad. <laughs> We're going to have a lot of positive things right. to say about yes, this we episode. Will. Mm-hmm. Uh, we open on Sunnydale Hi. Hey, there's that same old establishing shot that we've oh, come to go. know and love. Mm-hmm. And Oz takes a moment to answer a long-standing question. Has anyone else ever noticed how creepy this cheerleader statue is? <laughs> if nothing else, that would make me love Oz. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Willow and Oz talk about their date the night before, and Oz establishes his hipster bona fides. Mm-hmm. Movies today, they ain't nothing. <laughs> Back in my day, there was I don't know plot, action, something. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. It's it's striking that Oz has such the this air of detached cool.
1: Oz seems like an immortal being who's come in from, like, 1957. (laughs) You know, and just has this like essential cool, he's calm, nothing ruffles him, you know.
0: It hadn't occurred to me until just now, but we've talked in the past about how much of this show is skewed from Buffy's POV. You know, to what extent Mm -hmm. Buffy is an unreliable narrator about the events of her life. I think it's really interesting that the seniors look so much older. Yeah. And Oz in particular seems so much cooler. Yeah. And I wonder how much of that is because we are seeing it through the eyes of a junior or. A set of juniors.
1: Entirely possible. Yeah, I don't know.
0: (laughs) I don't think there's anything in the text to support that Buffy's an unreliable narrator, but it's an interesting. It's an (laughs) an interesting interesting point of speculation. Yeah, I
1: think Seth Green has an essential cool. One of the movies that I've seen him in that I absolutely love was uh, Can't Hardly Wait, which was like this really bad romantic, like teen romantic comedy, sure, uh, from like the mid '90s or whatever, and he played this just reprehensible. Character that was annoying to everybody, and nobody liked him, and everybody made fun of him. And even playing a character that was meant to be reprehensible. Seth Green made me love that character. So <laughs> it's has... just his power. It's the power of his charisma. He brings the cool to anything yeah. that he touches. He
0: has an uncanny mm-hmm. ability to do that, actually, yeah. uh, in <laughs> some very difficult roles. I know him best by now. Yeah. Uh, simply, you know, the number of hours that I've spent in his company. I know him best from the Mass Effect series, All right. uh, mm-hmm. in which he plays the snarky, wisecracking pilot of the starship. Mm-hmm. And and he's great in that role. Yeah. I, I wish he were given more to do, but he's great I do, too. Role. I do, Always too. A solid he's fantastic, yeah. A moment of awkwardness, back at Sunnydale yes. a moment of awkwardness passes as Willow runs off to Buffy, only for Oz to be accosted by Larry and his steroidal friends. <laughs> Larry slaps the books from the hands of someone who I guess is supposed to be a student. Mm-hmm. But who looks clearly, you know, twenty-eight.
1: They all do. Larry they in particular. Yeah, no, they all they all look easily in their thirties. These people have children at home, you know, they're just
0: <laughs> I don't know. Does it add something to, to Larry's cool factor if he slaps the books out of a teacher's hands and then ogles her as she picks them up?
1: No, I don't think I don't think it does anything for him <laughs> in any circumstance. Yeah.
0: Larry presses Oz for the romantic details of his relationship with the evil genius that is Willow, and we cut to to Buffy and Willow discussing exactly the same subject. Willow wants smoochies, damn it. But Buffy thinks it's good that Oz isn't just being an animal. An animal. <laughs> an animal, you guys. <laughs> Willow inadvertently reminds Buffy that she was dating an undead monster and then swipes at Xander with one 800 i am dating a skanky (laughs) hoe. Okay, now first off, that's clearly not a phone number. There are too many digits there. (laughs) Willow, what are you doing? If you're going to do the bit, commit to the bit. Exactly, right. But more importantly... That is some snark from from young Miss Rose. It Rosenberg. is
1: it is it's a little sharp coming from Willow because Willow while she never like absolutely loved Cordelia, was always fairly nice to her and you know. Yeah. And I mean I understand that that she doesn't like Cordelia and and Xander is dating her and there's that whole thing going on. But it, it still feels a little out of character for Willow. And also, Cordelia, you can say a lot of things about Cordelia, but Skanky really isn't one of them.
0: Well, see, we don't know, though. Yeah. The, the, the question of Cordelia's you know promiscuity right. is now an open one after the sex ed class in the previous episode.
1: No, true, true, fair enough. But yeah, I don't know. like, But she doesn't give off the Skanky. Like
0: okay, no, that's true. That's I think, true. I
1: think skanky has a certain element of class to it. We'll, and we'll she concede the hoe, yeah.
0: but we'll question the skanky.
1: I, well, okay. First of all, I object to the premise entirely. <laughs> as a woman, I object to the as premise that being, that a, a girl that is premise. completely defined by well, her sexual. Let's not get activity. into that
0: because we'll be here all but day. we have, a we lot have plenty, to talk yes, about. Yes, no, we have plenty. Episode, as as yeah. a feminist,
1: no, I can't. But I mean, you know, on just general grounds, I think that uh, that skanky is a miss
0: The relationship between the development relationship between Willow and Cordelia is actually the thing I like best about this episode and it is buried so far in the back yeah. that it is it's easy to miss it I think I fully missed it the first time I was reviewing the episode mm-hmm. for for this show um, it, it's such a nice piece of character work between two characters who, you know, beside their interaction in the in the first episode. Yeah, I'm not sure that they've ever had a conversation longer than two or three <laughs> lines. Very you know? true. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, but when we get to that scene in the bronze, we'll talk a little more about yeah. Cordelia and Willow and how they have arrived at some kind of reconciliation. Hey, speaking of Cordelia, yeah. she and Xander are making out in Cordelia's daddy's car. <laughs> We're led to believe, I guess, that this is later that same night. I guess,
1: yeah. Which mm-hmm. makes a
0: lot of sense. Mm-hmm. Cordelia's in her father's car, which is good because it's a soft top unlike her own car <laughs> which would require a little more force to puncture right. uh, Oz, Xander concedes is attractive mm-hmm. but obviously <laughs> not to Xander, that would be weird you guys, that oh, would be God. so weird <laughs> Let's uh, just take a moment to recognize our first moment of gay panic in this episode.
1: Our first, but not hardly our last. Yeah,
0: and we'll yeah, mm-hmm. let's we'll put a pin in that for now, but right. we'll talk about gay panic oh, uh, yeah, in 1998 <laughs> as we move forward. Cordelia is concerned that Xander's focus isn't where it should be, which speaks to her ongoing discomfort with their relationship, mm-hmm. with her incredible emotional sophistication yeah. that is belied by her seeming emotional simplicity.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she's a complicated girl. And, of
0: course, by the more immediate problem that he isn't making out with her here on this beautiful night under this brilliant full moon.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: Outside the car, something large and furry growls. Credits. Xander and Cordelia apparently made out throughout the credits. So good job, Xander. He got a solid, I don't know, 40 seconds of smooch. There you go. Mm -hmm. Uh, But Xander is now distracted by sounds outside of the car. They go a long way Mm -hmm. to set this up. And I appreciate it because they land it so beautifully. The inversion of the usual 1950s. The the usual version of this is the horny guy and the girl hears things from outside and she's worried and she wants to be taken home. Mm -hmm. And to invert that and to access that Vulnerable side of Xander Mm -hmm. is is, it's beautifully done. it's it's a nice nice little moment Uh, to do all of that, particularly without signposting it too heavily. Yes, it works Mm -hmm. on its own terms as well as being right. Nod to the (laughs) standard. If you happen to
1: notice, it's nice. Yeah, Mm -hmm. yeah,
0: you would think by now that were there a lover's lane in Sunnydale and I'm not sure that we've ever seen it before or indeed will ever see it again but you would think that if there were a lover's lane in you know Mm -hmm. the supernatural center of the United States if not the world it would have been shut down by the police years ago after the 73rd body was found (laughs) but let's cut to the chase if you'll forgive the pun Xander and Cordelia are attacked by a werewolf. Super (laughs) just a thing that happens in Sunnydale, you guys. Oh, yeah. They flee, and at school the next morning, the Scoobies investigate the damage to the car. According to the ever-prompt and remarkably specific Sunnydale press, (laughs) there were several other animal attacks last night, and some animals, which may or may not have been bunnies, were mutilated. Mm -hmm. The werewolf will return, though not until the next full moon, and that's a whole month from now, so wait, that's tonight? (laughs) Giles should know this, right? Well, I Giles think, should have, at the very least, an almanac in his bathroom.
1: Well, and he should know, you know, Mercury in retrograde and like the full moon and all of these astrological <laughs> things, because they always have, whenever these things are happening, what was it? The other thing was on the new moon or the full moon. Sure. We well, figure both out the new moon and the full moon. And the full, full moon. So this, I yeah. mean, this is a thing, like knowing the moon phases, knowing the astrological signs, are very important for uh yeah. you should have a watcher's almanac yeah.
0: you would think so yeah. right and i'll give you a pass i know you're needling me about the mercury and retrograde thing but <laughs> i fully believe that that exists in buffy's universe because as we know in buffy's universe magical hoodoo is actually a it thing.
1: exists in our world too all
0: right <laughs> <laughs> giles goes off for an exciting afternoon with his books and we cut to the gym where a group of 20 students weirdly both Juniors and seniors, because Oz is there too, Mm -hmm. are being given self-defense lessons. Larry has been conspicuously bitten by a dog. Oz has been somewhat less conspicuously bitten by a toddler. Larry, meanwhile, is looking forward to attacking Teresa, but Buffy's also in his group and looks just all perky and eager to practice the ancient and noble art of smackdownery during school hours. <laughs> Teresa, by the way, okay, Teresa is played by an actress called Megan Parry, uh-huh. who I looked up because she looked so familiar. She's been in a number of things that that I haven't seen. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Lions, Dan, I Hate My 30s, which sounds like a great show, uh-huh. plus one episode of Dawson's Creek, but she reminds me of someone, and it was driving me crazy yeah. throughout the episode. Uh-huh. So if you know, dear listener, who <laughs> Megan Parry looks like, if you took her yeah. to be someone else. Get in touch and let me know because it's been driving me crazy <laughs> since I watched it. Uh, this has been your Megan Perry minute. Right. Uh, Willow pulls Buffy aside to remind her that she is supposed to be a meek little girly girl. That's beat two against yes. feminism. Uh, Buffy <laughs> runs the exercise with Larry, but he grabs her ass and she throws him to the ground with her Slayer strength. You know, now is actually as good a time as any. Okay, let's talk a little about some of the sexual politics. In this episode, because this is the troublesome part. Mm -hmm. The episode's staunch anti-feminist position Mm -hmm. is really conspicuous and troubling okay yeah and it really begins here i mean we've had some stuff before about you know girls and their relationship with sex yeah. uh mm-hmm. we've had some of that leading up to this moment but this is the point where it becomes textual mm-hmm. rather than subtextual perhaps uh first of all there's willow pulling buffy aside yes. reminding her that she's supposed to be a meek girly girl like the rest of us right you're not supposed to exert supposed any to strength or authority here.
1: and have absolutely no personal agency and this yes. is in a self-defense it, class in which we're, the girls are supposed to be learning how to Kick ass so i mean the, the thing that willow should have said is hey guess what you get to be full slayer now you know right. because or you're even this, you know or even half a slayer remember
0: you're not supposed to be a superhero. quarter slayer yeah
1: Half calf, you know. I mean, it'll be fine. <laughs> but I mean, like, she can actually like kick a little ass and have some fun. This is the moment for Buffy to to really like show off her her skills. Right. And yet Willow is saying, "Play it down, so that you know nobody thinks that you're a Slayer." Which, by the way, nobody is going to be like, "Oh wow, that girl must be a Slayer." Nobody knows what a Slayer is. Well, They're just gonna think she's strong.
0: It's not even that Buffy has to pretend to not be the Slayer. Right. It's that she has to be meek and girly girl like, like the, the rest, rest of, of us, us. because yes. that is the only acceptable thing apparently for. a a girl to be
1: don't draw attention to yourself I can't yeah.
0: imagine Willow yeah. saying that line in, no. in any other episode
1: I can only see I can't imagine Willow ever saying it I think that Willow would be like hey you get to kick ass now yeah. you know have fun then we have um, this yeah. beat
0: where Larry I mean just grabs a full scoop of Slayer there he's, <laughs> he's just got his hand entirely full it's not even like a like a you know, right. somewhat more what, acceptable, I guess, playful slap or pinch. In what universe pinch?
1: does he do this on a daily basis and not get his ass kicked?
0: Well, this is the thing. Yeah. He does this. Buffy flips him and the tone of the show says, mm-hmm. well, that's all right. That's him dealt with. See, yes. he, his uppence came and that is it that
1: is what about wildly all the slayer girls he's doing this to on a regular basis nothing about this seemed at all out of you know the ordinary for larry at this point
0: exactly um, exactly yeah. and and even if you know this is the first time that he's ever done it that is so far beyond the pale it's
1: still something that requires i don't know is there maybe a <laughs> teacher is there a <laughs> yes. teacher here who can be like hey you know and deal with it absolutely it certainly and,
0: requires a lot more than larry hitting the mat and, right and the implication of
1: wah wah well, Hit the mat. He's in a protected environment. She didn't throw him down and break him over a tombstone. (laughs) Okay.
0: I'm not sure that we should really be counseling for, you know, bodily harm. I I think we're looking at justice more than. I'm sorry.
1: When he violates her personal space, what he gets, he gets.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Okay. That's maybe. See, normally at the end of the yes. show, we talk about the, the issues raised by the episode, exactly but apparently
1: <laughs> we're going to have a little more to
0: talk about this week. Um, this isn't our last, our last uh, approach to this issue, so we'll, yes. we'll cover that for mm-hmm. now. But my God. In the library, meanwhile, Giles has assembled the coolest globe and moon toy you've ever seen. <laughs> He's so giddy from research, in fact, that he even finds Xander's moon pie joke funny. And I can't imagine the delirium that would be required yes. to find that. I, I, I'm being a little harsh. <laughs> (laughs) It's not a good joke. Jazz's response is awesome. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) He gives us some exposition about the savage nature of werewolves, and Buffy takes the tiny step to Conclusion Town and draws the comparison to men. They can't rely on silver bullets to handle the werewolf, though, because no matter what it does, it's still a human being, and the good guys don't kill that right there is that sharp delineation between the demonic evil and the human evil. Right,
1: and now we have a shared space between demon. I mean, is werewolf, I mean, it's obviously supernatural. Is it demonic no, supernatural? I don't, I, is this animal super? I mean, it's just an animal, right? I mean, it's just sharing, like, because they haven't really established. They established that it's, it's part human, and that's what saves it. But it's not part demon, is no, it? No,
0: it doesn't seem to be part demon. It's it seems just to part be a animal. It's a shift.
1: Yeah. So, I mean, the thing is, like, what what a werewolf does in animal state, they're not responsible for.
0: I don't think it's so much that you know werewolves are an exception unto themselves. I think I think you have to approach it from the other side, which is the good guys don't kill except demons.
1: Except you demons. know everything that's not so explicitly not a demon inherently evil. Yeah. If it's not explicitly a demon, yeah. Because I was wondering which, which, about what the know, energy is of. A werewolf, because when it's you know when yeah. it's off yeah. and free, I mean it's it's obviously pretty uh pretty evil. Yeah, but
0: there's no implication in the episode that that it's a demonic right mm-hmm. essence, you mm-hmm. know that, that that and thus inherently evil. Even though we tripped over that question of whether demons, vampires yes. specifically, are inherently evil in the last pair of episodes, we're not going to address that for a good long time. No. And honestly, mm-hmm. when we do, it's not going to be consistent. No. <laughs> but we'll try we'll try and divine some meaning from it right. when we get to it. But for now, we just acknowledge that well, sure, the werewolf is based. Basically human and thus must not be killed. At the local Lover's Lane, Giles is prowling between the cars with a flashlight, so he's arrested now and will never be seen again. (laughs) I I think the reason actually that the Lover's Lane is still open is that the police know better. I think they avoid this Nobody
1: goes there, right? This this
0: hotbed of of, of pheromones Mm -hmm. and easy victims. (laughs) Buffy has some piping hot gossip to share at school tomorrow. But their investigations are stymied by the fact that no one can see anything through the hormonal mist that makes it difficult to see more than a foot or two in (laughs) front of your face. Buffy ventures into the forest and is immediately caught in a trap that Danielle Rousseau would be proud of. A man emerges from the shadows with a rifle. Giles shows up, but Kane... Kane he gave himself that nickname, didn't he? <laughs> Kane is the one asking the questions. He lets Buffy down, then compliments Giles on being with Buffy in Lover's Lane. Buffy holds Giles back and casually explains to this total stranger that they're hunting werewolves.
1: Right. Buffy is not good at secret identity, is she?
0: <laughs> <laughs> you would hope that she would be better. Uh, Kane, luckily, mm-hmm. is a werewolf is hunter. So he's not traumatized right. by the knowledge that werewolves are real. Yes. Uh, he hunts these werewolves and sells the pets in Sri Lanka. Because if you know anything about tropical climates, you know that they're crazy <laughs> for animal pelts. Werewolves are attracted to sexual heat. Maybe that hormonal mist is more of a problem than we thought.
1: Uh-huh. As
0: they leave this scene, Buffy has this line. We have to make it there. She's decided that she knows where the werewolf is. Right. And she has this line. We just have to make it there before mine furrier. Yeah. Which, by the way, is a line that I can absolutely see working in the writer's room. Yes, But nowhere else. <laughs> that is far too oblique. It doesn't even work particularly well when it's said out loud.
1: Yeah. I in think a script, I see, that's funny. In a conceptually, script, conceptually, it's a funnier yeah. joke than it is in in actual. <laughs> and it's practice. not a weakness
0: of the performance because there's not actually a way to deliver that line no, effectively on screen.
1: No, no. I mean, it's it's I, I I feel like it's it's a good enough joke. You know, I don't know. Does everybody is everybody going to get that?
0: No, you know? I, I don't think it, it works in the right direction. It seems a little bit of
1: run. like a yeah, like a, <laughs> like a like a a nerdy deep cut there, yeah.
0: And yeah, particularly odd for Buffy herself, of mm-hmm. course. Um, Teresa, meanwhile, yes. is walking home, and there are growls nearby. But Teresa bumps into Angel, who is hanging out on the sidewalk <laughs> with a little flower, like <laughs> you do. Being the gentleman he is, he offers to walk Teresa home. We're yeah. not going to get a lot of David Boreanaz in this episode. Mm-hmm. Let's all take a moment to recognize that, that it's a damn fine performance.
1: No, he is fantastic.
0: The malevolence yeah. in Angelus yeah. is striking. Mm-hmm. It's, it's really good stuff. Yeah. At the bronze. Meanwhile, the sexual energy has arrived at peak pheromone. Cordelia is complaining to Willow about Xander. But in fairness, Willow was also doing her share of complaining about Xander. This is the scene I was talking about yes. earlier. Scene Cordelia mm-hmm. and Willow bond it's is nice. just great. Mm-hmm. It's a it's a really fine moment. Um And the, I've got the interaction. Actually, I don't usually transcribe dialogue, right. but I love this so much. Cordelia says, "What's his problem?" Oh, that's right, he's a guy. And Willow has, "I mean Xander." Guys, <laughs> Cordelia says, "Who do they think they are?" And Willow says, "Couple of Couple guys." Of guys. <laughs>
1: <laughs> it's really really cute so good. dialogue. So yeah.
0: good. The werewolf though has no time for this, you know, storytelling and mm-hmm. drops from the ceiling. Uh never has the intervention of a supernatural creature been so unwelcome. I could I could watch Willow and Cordelia for oh, hours. yeah. The werewolf attacks, there is screaming, there is running. It's a Thursday night, ladies and gentlemen, at the Bronze. Giles and <laughs> Buffy show up outside in the Giles' mobile. Presumably, (laughs) they would have arrived earlier, but they broke down, and that's the reason why they are clearly being pushed into this scene.
1: No, I've never... Never noticed that until you pointed it I, out. I didn't notice it. They until are the last there's time. a couple of guys behind the Citron <laughs> who are pushing it, and now I'm just wondering if in every scene <laughs> where that thing shows up, it's being pushed.
0: It may well be. But
1: if the only version of that car they had didn't have an engine or something. Go back, I watch mean, the it's scene. Hilarious.
0: There are clearly two guys pushing crazy. the Giles mobile no, into the scene.
1: So it's they're so clearly there. I'd never seen them before. <laughs> It was unbelievable.
0: I loved it. <laughs> Buffy leaps out of the car without even thanking the guys. I know, just right? plain rude. Uh, <laughs> in the bronze, everything is quiet, eerily quiet. She tracks the werewolf through bead curtains only to be attacked. She lashes out with a length of chain, but the werewolf throws her into a drum set <laughs> and escapes into the night. We hard cut to Kane, who has shown up at the bronze. Presumably he followed the Giles mobile too. And tells <laughs> oh, us that this, this is what happens when a woman tries to do a man's job. Mm-hmm. He tells Buffy that any pain caused by the werewolf will be on her head and leaves with a crack about the ethical treatment of werewolves. Out in an alley, the werewolf and Angel have a growl off over the body of Teresa. Back in Lover's Lane, meanwhile, Giles is taking a nap in the Gilesmobile, presumably exhausted after (laughs) pushing it all the way back out (laughs) to the outskirts of town. Poor guy deserves a little rest. When Buffy shows up, the news report on the radio is helpfully specific and timely, passing on the information from the coroner, who always gives such announcements in the middle (laughs) of the night, that Teresa is dead. The sun is coming up, and there isn't much Buffy and Giles can do. Speaking of the sun... We cut to the werewolf himself, napping peacefully in a sunlit glade. There's a moment of intense special effects, and the truth is revealed. The werewolf is Oz. Oh, no. We cut to Oz's house, where we receive the flimsiest bit of exposition you're likely to hear this year.
1: It is the the most nonsensical thing, I think. I think if there's an award for the most nonsensical thing that Buffy has ever done.
0: I think this is it. Not nonsensical. There, there are more nonsensical or, or I guess less sensical less things sensical, than yes. this. Mm-hmm. Uh, just look at Ted, for example. Right. This is the most half-assed thing <laughs> that Buffy it does is. perhaps in its entire run. It is. It is so crazy. Oz's cousin is yes. a werewolf. He's never heard of that before. So he's before. on the phone.
1: Hey, cousin Jordy wouldn't happen to be a werewolf. And then his aunt is like, uh, obviously, we don't hear the aunt's side of things. But obviously, he's like, oh, yeah.
0: How how can you fill in that conversation that half of the conversation with anything but yeah? Uh, <laughs> Did you not get our round robin Christmas letter?
1: Right, but if 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 this is his aunt and she has a child, a baby who is a werewolf, which is going to be very problematic for her, and and I sympathize. Toddlers are bad enough when they're not shapeshifters. Um,
0: but so the, that is a spinoff that I want exactly the adventures My baby, of the, toddler, the werewolf. werewolf, right? <laughs>
1: that's adorable um it's like muppet babies but a whole new thing why
0: are we wasting time in sun actually that might be the explanation for muppet babies it might be the
1: explanation
0: for secondly why the hell are we wasting time in Sunnydale when there's a toddler (laughs) werewolf in the world But if
1: you have a toddler werewolf you're going to be aware (laughs) of anybody who your toddler werewolf bites right so if you know that your nephew got bit by your kid who is a werewolf wouldn't it be appropriate to be like hey oz Heads up. Yeah. (laughs) You know? You would Um, think so. It's kind of like none of it makes any sense at all. Now, if so. your kid's
0: a werewolf toddler, you want to arrange for as much unsupervised playtime as possible. Right. And definitely not tell anyone that they should at the very least get their shots. Exactly. Now, it <laughs> is the flimsiest bit of misdirection because all of this only exists uh-huh. to send us in the wrong direction during the scene in the gym where we're clearly right. supposed to be thinking that it's Larry. Because he got
1: so bit Larry bit by coincidentally cousin,
0: right? was actually just bitten by a big stray dog a few days ago.
1: Which was probably on the leash of a woman and he had sexually assaulted.
0: <laughs> this is so flimsy. It is so it half-assed. Is, no,
1: it's nuts. And I mean, the thing is, what they're doing is they're shoring up the joke about, oh, I got bit by my cousin, you know, my my baby cousin or whatever. <laughs> Which
0: is in itself a pretty good joke.
1: Which is in itself yeah. a pretty good joke. And we're obviously supposed to believe that Larry is, you know, the werewolf. Right, but...
0: particularly for the reveal to happen here. Yeah. If the reveal happened later after Xander's suspicions about Larry uh-huh. were, you know, revealed to be inaccurate at right. the very least, uh. If then we had the reveal about Oz, that would make a certain amount of at least structural sense.
1: Right. Mm-hmm. But
0: for it to happen here spontaneously, for us to just be in Oz's POV yeah. as he discovers the truth and the truth is this lightweight. Right. It's it's really weird. It's no. a really weird decision.
1: It honestly, it it is baffling that this got out of the writer's room. It really is. <laughs>
0: Back at school, we'll talk more, I'm sure, about Oz's revelation in the rest of the episode. But back at school, Buffy has changed her mind on whether or not it is okay to kill werewolves. Oz, understandably concerned, asks if anyone is injured and Buffy tells him about Teresa. As Kane correctly predicted, and as we would come to expect, the weight of Teresa's death is heavy on Buffy's head.
1: Because everything is
0: Buffy's fault. Yes. It's interesting, isn't it? That there's not even space in this episode to examine Mm -hmm. that idea. Right. That in a way, Buffy's guilt, while completely consistent with her character, only exists within the span of this episode to drive her to the funeral home. So she can try and expiate her guilt Mm -hmm. by, by, I don't know, signing that book of condolence or whatever. Yes. it is true to her character, and we're going to see Buffy wrestle with some of that guilt mm-hmm. um, and the responsibility of being the Slayer in the episodes and, believe me, seasons mm-hmm. to come. There's one more night to catch the werewolf and something must be done. Xander understands something of that werewolf experience because of his time in the hyena spirit exchange program, which <laughs> he has forgotten that he forgot. <laughs> he puts himself in the shoes of the werewolf and the conclusion is inescapable. It's Larry. Between the aggression, the bite, the back hair, and the tormenting of Teresa, he's the obvious suspect. Xander goes off to force a confession from Larry. Giles remains completely unconvinced by the entire deductive chain and takes Buffy to prepare. Willow and Oz, meanwhile, talk about his connection with Teresa, and he struggles to deal with his guilt. Willow asks Oz to join her studying and helping with help, but he's got a pressing date with 200 pounds of muscle and Mm -hmm. a lot of extra body hair. Speaking of which, Xander confronts Larry in the locker room. Wow, it has been a while since we've been in a locker room. Oh, yeah. Considering that this was such a fixture of first season Buffy. Yeah,
1: it's never a good place to be.
0: It's, it's really not. Xander provokes Larry despite the threat of physical violence. And gee, you guys sure are using a lot of non-specific language, huh? It's almost <laughs> as though you were allowing for the possibility that you're actually talking about something else. Larry's gay. You guys, Larry's gay. <laughs> The slight gay panic from Xander Mm -hmm. during this scene, and that's going to become much worse later in the episode. The slight Mm -hmm. gay panic is one thing, but I actually found Larry's moment of transformation, this epiphany. Yeah, to be really compelling and sweet. And from this moment forward, I love Larry. <laughs> Larry, Larry is a completely is different Kind guy. of awesome. Yeah, yeah I,
1: I absolutely. It is this wonderful moment where he ceases to be a bully and becomes just a lovely human being. And yeah. it's it's kind of fun to see how you know um, how we have this gay character. And we see how incredibly sweet he is and it's all fine. And he was a jerk before, but now he's he's come out and he's one with himself and all that. And it's great, you know?
0: No, it's, it's yeah. really strong stuff. It's, it's a little compressed in the mm-hmm. episode. It happens at an odd point structurally, too. Yeah, it's, in a, the it's the
1: fastest character arc that has ever happened. Yeah, but
0: know? if you can buy that, it well, actually you know, works. The bully it, it works who torments
1: well. people and yeah. then finally somebody says it's okay to be what you are and he yeah. accepts it. You Not know? to
0: buy the arc. Yeah, you're right. Not to buy the arc itself, which is right. a, a decent story. Mm. Uh, but but to buy the rapidity of that arc you have to you have to kind of subscribe exactly. to the you know, epiphanic school yes. of, of character development mm-hmm. here uh this moment of realization is all he needs to change yes. his life mm-hmm. completely uh, but if you and can get past a that a
1: real sweet decent guy it's, it's yeah. really
0: nice yeah yeah, yeah. we'll talk about xander's gay panic much later uh
1: Th- that'll be discussed at the end oh yes it will mm-hmm.
0: back in the library though willow and buffy talk about buffy's school record there's a nice little yes. <laughs> nice little scene mm-hmm. there and also about oz this buffy said is what you can expect from men. First, they grow body hair, then, they lose the ability to talk about what they want. Buffy is just really down on guys at yeah. the moment. Willow says that it was easier to tell back in the day if they liked you, they'd just punch you on the arm. <laughs> Meanwhile, out in the corridor, Xander shows up and punches Buffy on the arm. Yeah, the first of two odd beats about Xander's interest, his his suddenly rekindled romantic interest in Buffy. Well,
1: yeah, and her kind of receptiveness to that too Apparently is a little so, weird yeah. in this episode. Yeah,
0: Willow goes off to spend a little time with Cordelia, which worries Xander, though he is more preoccupied, of course, by that aforementioned gay panic. Yes, Buffy has a Moment of revelation. Teresa wasn't killed by the werewolf because she wasn't torn apart. She and Xander visit the funeral home and discover the truth. Teresa was killed by a vampire.
1: Oh, but see. Buffy's Mm -hmm. still responsible, though, because it was the vampire she made.
0: Absolutely. So it's still her fault. Buffy signs the condolence book, but Teresa has been turned. She passes on a message from Angel, which knocks Buffy off her game. But Teresa is staked by Xander and dusts. Buffy is rocked by the knowledge that Angel is going to keep coming after her and hurting those around her. Xander and Buffy embrace. And there's another one of those weird moments of intimacy. Yeah. It's the strangest thing. The show seems to insist inconsistently that there's a spark between Xander and Buffy. But it does so so rarely that we can't get any momentum behind it. It's completely
1: erratic and it never really seems to go anywhere.
0: And it's totally downplayed by the rest of the episodes that don't acknowledge that there's any romantic tension between the two of them at all.
1: No, it is the weirdest thing. And I don't know why they keep going back to this one little beat. It's like they really wanted Xander and Buffy to get together and they were testing the waters. I don't know Particularly
0: in this episode when we already don't have time for this. We know.
1: Seriously. This is the <laughs> last loud. We're certainly not thing. going to
0: give it any, you know, real space to develop. Yeah,
1: I have no, no idea what that was Someone
0: deep in the machinery at Buffy the Vampire Slayer was clearly just very was enthusiastic about hard, right? Xander and Buffy yeah. and, and just kept slipping it in whenever they could but, exactly. but not giving it any sufficient emphasis or time to right. actually develop well, into there was something never meaningful. Any co-
1: commitment to that yeah. storyline it, it, it's
0: always been a weird beat which episode was it that that xander showed up at buffy's door
1: wasn't it the halloween episode
0: i, I feel like was maybe it, the it was halloween the halloween episode? episode and there's that weird moment of intimacy between the two of them then right i don't know I don't know. No, yeah, you're right. Weird. No, because it was interrupted by... by uh... No, he
1: was about to go on a date. There was something like that, right? Wasn't there something Oh, was like it Inka Girl? It was Girl. I forget. It's happened in a there, handful, there but they've these been odd scattered fragmented scattered moments. sporadically yeah. throughout. And it is really, really Someone's weird.
0: Someone's a big fan, but it's not going and, and to happen. And they're happen. just
1: trying to make it happen. Stop you know? trying to make
0: Fetch happen, you guys.
1: <laughs> exactly. Give
0: it up. <laughs> fetch is never going to happen. <laughs> Kane, meanwhile, is brewing up a batch of the old silver bullets in his van, which the I can't artisanal
1: silver bullets.
0: how hot it is. If, if that flame <laughs> yes. is sufficient to melt silver <laughs> no. and he's just hanging out in his van, <laughs> my God not to mention he's probably getting that. some kind of there's some kind of toxicity that's I, I imagine effect.
1: well that may be explaining you know everything else about Kane. it
0: may well yeah as the moon rises Oz has taken the box of his grandfather's manacles down from the attic well,
1: everybody has those right? these
0: manacles passed down since the days of the civil war
1: <laughs> we passed them down from generation
0: to generation just in case one of us is a vampire you are gonna need you know, a
1: manacle
0: actually you know I'm being, <laughs> I'm being sufficiently snarky about this are you this.
1: joking or are you saying we need to go out and get some manacles no
0: we we know that lycanthropy actually runs in Oz's family oh it does. maybe these actually it are does. his grandfather's manacles
1: maybe they are
0: I I, I am now the head cannoning net
1: okay there well we no go. that it's makes done. a lot more sense
0: <laughs> his <laughs> plans are interrupted though by Willow who has had enough of his crap Oz tells her that he's going through changes, but she remains unconvinced until she sees the chains. (laughs) Oz starts to change and drops behind the couch, where special effects will be a little cheaper. (laughs) Willow asks what's wrong, but the werewolf bursts from behind the couch and Willow runs. She's chased down the street and climbs over a fence in a surprisingly athletic move for the geeky Willow.
1: Well, you know, given enough motivation. (laughs) (laughs) Given enough motivation, I
0: could climb a fence. Yeah. (laughs) And then as the wolf pursues her, she hits it with a trash can from a distance. Kane hears the howl. In the library, Giles is assembling a mean-looking tranquilizer gun, and Buffy updates him on the Teresa situation, though, yes, we have no time to deal with that now. We cut back to Willow running through the forest. Why did you go to the forest, Willow? She trips, and the werewolf is on her, except he pauses, sniffs the air, and runs off. In the library, Willow bursts in and tells Giles and Buffy what's going on. They set off in pursuit of Oz, who is falling into Cain's trap, a small pyramid of birdseed with a handwritten sign saying free seed. (laughs) Cain learned everything he knows from the greatest hunter in history. They call him (laughs) the coyote. Buffy. (laughs) I mean, really, it is a weak sauce trap. And it says nothing good of werewolves that Oz fell for it quite so Yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. Buffy kicks Kane and disturbs his aim, but the werewolf attacks. Giles tries to line up the tranquilizer shot, but the werewolf throws Buffy back into him, knocking them both down. Willow retrieves the gun and fires the werewolf drops.
1: Okay, I like that moment. That I like when Willow picks up the gun and says, no, I got this. Like, I, the thing that I love about Willow as we see, you know, as we move from the beginning where she was just kind of like helpless and just taking all the Cordelia's stuff, is that she really is like getting a sense of herself. She's confident and she's yeah. capable. And, uh, and I really, I love seeing that side of her.
0: It's great. And, and structurally, it puts the conflict exactly where it should be. Mm-hmm. This is not a job for Giles or exactly. for Buffy. This is absolutely, you know, mm-hmm. dramatically speaking, emotionally right. speaking, Willow is the one who should fire the shot, and, yeah. and the whole thing works really it quite does. well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, Kane gets to his feet and says, "No wonder this town's overrun with monsters. No one's man enough to kill oh, them." Oh god, gee whiz, they could have hired like a cardboard standee. Yes, they could to have. play that part. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's it's really. Not great writing. Mm-hmm. Buffy proves him wrong, though, by bending the barrel of his rifle and sending him on his way. She and Willow kneel over Oz as Giles assures them, and well, we're just supposed to take his word for this. <laughs> That Oz is going to be just fine.
1: So he, he doesn't know what phase of the moon it is, but he absolutely has this, like, you know, arcane knowledge of werewolves. <laughs> well, so. he
0: does now. He spent the whole afternoon with his books. Okay.
1: You know what? Fair <laughs> enough. I take the point. There's back. a
0: whole chapter labeled Tranquilizing Your Werewolf.
1: Tranquilizing Your Werewolf, and don't worry, he's going to be fine. For some
0: weird reason, in the book, all yeah. the pictures of werewolves look like toddlers. It's the strangest <laughs> thing. Who wrote that book? <laughs> At school the next day, Buffy and Xander talk about how difficult it's going to be to talk to him when they see him and hey won't it be awkward around him there's some more of that non-specific language that's been going around Buffy assures Xander that he's still human most of the time Mm -hmm. from a certain perspective that could be seen as a fairly unpleasant line but see because Xander still on the gay panic thing in the background Larry stops to pick up a girl's books after his former friends knock them down and then thanks Xander for what he did (laughs) Larry being completely awesome Uh, he's (laughs) apparently emerged from this Closet chrysalis, (laughs) into his full, well-adjusted, awesome butterfly self. Xander isn't dealing with it so well, though. Luckily, he can still crack wise about Willow's relationship with Oz. But as Buffy points out as we cut to Willow and Oz together, it isn't up to him who Willow dates. Mm -hmm. Willow and Oz talk and make their peace with one another. Willow is self-possessed enough to question Oz's decision to not tell her the truth, but he's struggling to deal with it. He suggests that he should stay out of the way, but Willow isn't interested in the distance. She likes him. And on the scale of things, werewolf isn't as bad as smoking or apparently menstruation. Right. We'll talk about that in just a minute. <laughs> Willow walks away and then comes back to get her smooches. Thank God for a moment of feminine empowerment. There in you this go. Episode. A werewolf in love, Oz says Riley to no one as we cut <laughs> to the credits. Okay. Yeah. Three big things mm-hmm. to talk about. Okay. The first thing, though, is that before we even get to the three things, the first right. thing that we have to acknowledge is there's some really fun stuff in this episode. There is a lot of it's fun sweet. stuff. It's yeah. sweet. It doesn't land. It's not a TED episode. It mm-hmm. reminded me more of an episode like Bad Eggs, yeah. though it's mm-hmm. not as ramshackle as that episode was. Mm-hmm. There's some good stuff here, but almost none of it connects to anything else that's going on.
1: Yeah. No, the whole role of Kane, the werewolf hunter, felt really weird to me like his place it felt like he was in a different show
0: the story would have played out or the story could have played out just the same, if he weren't there,
1: well, because he's not the antagonist. He's no. not. If he was the one who was there, like causing problems, or I mean, I guess he's the antagonist because he wants to kill Oz. But the focus of the show right. is about <laughs> save. You know, Oz has an internal antagonist, which is this this werewolf. So, but it's yeah,
0: it would be trivial to, particularly after that first encounter in the yeah. bronze between Buffy and the werewolf, it would be trivial to make the conflict not should we kill him or not, but. Can we stop him without killing him?
1: How do we save? Because we know he's human. Yeah, We know he's human the other days of the month. So how do we save this werewolf from himself? And that is actually what this episode is about. Cain has no structural purpose except to come in and to be like just a jerk. To be Flamboyantly
0: just a misogynistic, a misogynistic yeah. jerk. Yeah.
1: So, um, yeah, there's a lot of this. I mean, there are a lot of there are a lot of uh, like very, very you know, questionable gender politics in here. Um, There's misogynistic men. There's the gay panic.
0: We're talking about the good though. We have to, we have to frame this with the good before (laughs) we get to the many questionable parts. There is a lot of fun stuff. Mm -hmm. Uh, Some of the set pieces work really quite well. Willow is adorable. Oz is great. That relationship once you get past the kind of the the, the flawed and forced mm-hmm. conflict of it all that relationship arcs nicely Willow and Cordelia arcs yeah. nicely we get some nice interactions and we're still building this sense of our ensemble as an actual ensemble right. I, you know, besides the fact that I like where their relationship is going it's just really nice to see a scene with Willow and Cordelia
1: yeah. two people
0: mm-hmm. who haven't spent a great deal of time together you right. know, outside of that context of you know the, the Scoobies of the as a group
1: the group working together so right. there's a Mm -hmm. ton of
0: good stuff. Mm -hmm. There are three big problems. Let's begin with the easiest of the three, which we addressed a little bit during our breakdown. The plot is flimsy, or at least the justification for the plot is flimsy. You could have done almost anything else to make Oz a werewolf, Mm -hmm. and it would have worked better.
1: Yeah, I like... I like Oz having that supernatural element. I really like that he has a dangerous side to him. Um, You know, because I think it makes him fit in nicely to this this group. Although his supernatural element isn't under his control and he can't use it to help. So it sort of feels a little bit odd. It basically just means that they have to lock him up, you know, for a few nights every month. Um, but it allows
0: us to access some of that same kind of tortured romance. You know, there's, yeah, there's, there's a little... real conflict right. there in his relationship with Willow. Mm-hmm. It also allows us to expand the world to include werewolves, you know, pre-Twilight where right. we're already kind of broadening mm-hmm. our, our our take and on I, what monsters are. I liked
1: are. the the moment where Oz is afraid that he has killed somebody. Yeah, You know, we're all afraid that Oz has killed somebody. And then it ends up being this little lovely message from angel now angel is you know hanging out in the background the same way he's he's back to you know skulking on the sidelines angel where we're not you know he doesn't really contribute to the narrative but he, he, but it was a nice contribution to in the an narrative. antagonistic
0: role though yeah that's which perfectly is so serviceable. much better yeah. No, it's so much
1: better and when he came in you know the role that he played being the one to actually kill teresa and then leaving that message for buffy i, I really like the way that all that no played I, out. I
0: like it too i thought it, that it actually works perfectly No, you're right. Superficially, it brings us back to first season Angel where he is just hanging around and we'll get a shot of him per episode. He'll Mm -hmm. get like some brief interaction per episode. This is this is very different and and very purposeful and actually very effective. And it fits really nicely into the whole story. Yeah, right. Even in this relatively silly Fluffy episode Mm -hmm. Uh, Again If you'll forgive the werewolf pun Uh, Even in this episode Angel is an effective antagonist Mm -hmm. And this Brooding malevolence This growing malevolence And Buffy's Increasing sense of persecution Is is really strong It Mm -hmm. really works They really land that stuff And connect it Really quite beautifully Um some of the framing around that is a little is a little weak. It's a little implausible that the radio happens to be reporting on Teresa's death. It's no, a little implausible. The
1: communications I'm just the whole communications industry in Sunnydale is obviously <laughs> running on hell mouth energy because there's so no way papers all mass around media that in Sunnydale is yes. basically
0: run by the same company that runs the the community radio in Nightvale.
1: It's yes, it's run <laughs> it's run by somebody who is a genuine journalist who wants to get information out, not evil, not. Do anything. However, to get the jump on the competition, they are using a little hellmouth okay. energy.
0: Dramatically, my... <laughs> though, dramatically speaking, it's weak writing for yes. Buffy to find out about Teresa like that. Yes. Um. And and that beat only exists to kind of to to cast doubt on the werewolf's actions. Yes. Know? To mm-hmm. make Buffy resolve to kill the werewolf, but that doesn't actually have any consequences because she just spontaneously remembers that. Oh wait. The, the, the radio report didn't say anything about the body being mauled. Therefore, it wasn't the werewolf. She comes to that conclusion completely autonomously. So why have that beat at all?
1: Why have that at all? Not to mention the fact that here we have a situation where before Teresa was killed, right? We have an incredibly dangerous werewolf. We know he's human. Yep. We know he has no control over himself. We know that he's not a demon, so he's not inherently evil. Um, and so the fact that the werewolf uh, mauled Teresa—if he had, which he didn't—but if he had, you know, mauled somebody or killed somebody, um, wouldn't really change yeah. that. I mean, it shouldn't, right? right? <laughs> Buffy shouldn't want to kill him, even though no. she would. I can see her being more motivated to uh to deal with the werewolf to capture the werewolf but the only but thing that we him. have to
0: do to make that happen to get from here to there is to actually pay a little more attention to the mutilated animals yeah. that were found after the first night mm-hmm. you know and if there's an accompanying story you know a farmer found this beast out in the field tearing his way through a cow right. and scared him off with a shotgun but mm-hmm. who knows what would have happened if if you right. know if the beast right. had come back mm-hmm. or you know, you can easily frame this in a way I'm where sure you remove all in this unnecessary dramatic. There's
1: docks and an you know? airport <laughs> hangar and an army base. There's got to be some farmers somewhere. There's an agricultural there college. They there have a whole thing. There should be correct. a whole agricultural community.
0: <laughs> well, see, I'm assuming it was cows. <laughs> There's another version <laughs> of the story where it was like the local pet smart. Oh and no! And that's just a much no, darker. <laughs> no.
1: Look, you can kill all the people you want, but don't hurt a dog. That's all I'm saying. It is the rule of Hollywood.
0: Yes. So the whole werewolf thing, while while nominally. Oz being a werewolf is fine. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I do like some of the things that they do with that yeah. subsequent to this. The setup and, and the the weak rickety plot construction that gets us from here to there mm-hmm. doesn't work for me. At all. Well,
1: and the whole thing trying and this is one of the things that happens with writers a lot where they fall in love with a joke. I'm not going to name anybody by name. I'm not going to say that this has ever happened to me. But you fall in <laughs> love. Okay, look, I'm as
0: guilty you say as anyone all the time that this <laughs> happens to you.
1: No, it does. I mean, I, I always go back and correct it. But I do have that struggle. Um, I will spend a lot of time trying to figure out how to make a joke work. And the, the joke of, you know, Geordi bit uh, Oz, you know, and he got bit by his little baby cousin, his little toddler cousin, and that's what gave him the, the werewolf thing, is in and of itself kind of a fun joke. I think that, this, again, the scaffolding that you have yeah. to put up, because what, he, what they did was they gave him like a one line conversation with his aunt so they chose not to put up the scaffolding yeah, you know to yeah. hold it up and then it falls right over right the only, and, and the only other choice is to put up tons of scaffolding to explain why his aunt wouldn't have told him why there would have been no warning why right. you know and
0: of those two choices they made the right one I mean
1: well yeah if it comes down to your choice but the fact of the matter is that you've got it you can't support that joke
0: right and and it's not just the conversation with the aunt it's mm-hmm. the whole scaffolding of having us in Oz's POV as yeah. he discovers this mm-hmm. It's 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 not great storytelling it's really yeah. not. Mm-hmm. And you're right, it's all there just to justify this this week.
1: Just so we can have here. the red herring of Larry and the jokes.
0: So with all of that in mind let, let's set the werewolf thing to rest for now and move on to the second of our three problematic yes. things. And we're kind of ascending, you know Mount Awful here, or at least Mount <laughs> Problematic. Our second base camp should be the gay panic. Now we've talked yeah. about gay panic before on mm-hmm. many a podcast. It was a staple of entertainment in the late this 1990s. Is in the
1: heart. Like Friends with uh, Joey and Chandler had crazy gay panic they loved the gay panic jokes that was their favorite thing ross and joey took naps together and it was this whole entire episode that was that was around that gay panic
0: right and the interesting transitional thing about gay panic is that we stopped making jokes about gay people Uh and instead made jokes about people being uncomfortable about gay people
1: right being uncomfortable with the idea that somebody would think that they were gay because it's such a terrible thing um so uh so the gay panic thing was a cheap joke in the mid-90s but it was a very very popular joke so Within the context of the culture we were in at the time, this is exactly the kind of joke that a lot of people made. That said, from Joss Whedon five, six years earlier with uh, the movie, he managed to beautifully move past the gay panic right. when he had uh, Pike and his buddy talking about you know kissing or whatever yeah, they were yeah. joking around about that and both of them straight neither one of them interested in making out but they were just making a joke and it was they were comfortable with who they were comfortable with their sexuality not uncomfortable with the idea that oh my god the worst thing in the world is somebody might think I'm gay right. um, you know and and we place this gay panic joke on this this cultural you know rock of it's a terrible thing to have people think you're gay um, yeah it's,
0: it's disappointing that Xander is quite so panicked by it it's disappointing that we spend honestly so much of the episode on it
1: and and using that as the joke I mean yeah, this the, the, is this that's is a all huge you need for that
0: scene to work comedic
1: right. monolith in this we keep coming back to this gay panic and again you know? it's
0: wildly implausible the, the
1: verbal gymnastics Oz is a good looking gymnastics... guy I mean it starts off with that Oz is a good looking guy but not, not to me you know? right right yeah. right
0: mm-hmm. but by the time we get to the locker room with Larry yeah. the verbal gymnastics that is required to put them into this position mm-hmm. the, the as I said you know in our breakdown. Oh, the, yes. The conspicuously non-specific Conspicuous language. Conspicuous yes. I mean, mm-hmm. you have to do so much work to get there. And when you get there, it's just not worth it. It Except falls Except right. Larry is awesome.
1: Well, no, Larry is awesome. But Larry could be awesome in, in any other. I mean, right. the only thing that has to happen is that Xander could say, I think you know yeah. why I'm here. You could have done then, the whole thing And then the Larry yeah. can, without extending it we can open with that misunderstanding and then have Larry be like look you know I know it's about time and 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 just kind of still have that moment because I like what they did with Larry and I love Larry from this point forward yeah, I mean no, Larry, I is, Larry is one of my favorite like super minor characters in, in Buffy and once he gets it's past, past
0: not this point going to, we want to be very careful about spoilers so right. I'm not mm-hmm. going to give specifics but suffice it to say we're going to see nothing in the way of this degree of gay panic in Buffy from here on out that I can recall at least uh, well, in fact yeah. we're going to have a lot more fun And a lot more, (laughs) a lot more, I don't know, modern take on. These issues, these situations—a lot more relaxed
1: forward. and human take on yeah, it. You absolutely. know, where the worst thing in the world isn't being gay or somebody thinking you're gay. You know, but for now, at least, right. we
0: can chalk that up to the fact it was 1998. And while it is uncomfortable to watch today, right, and it does unfortunately and it graded make me think even a at less the time a little bit. Yeah.
1: It was it was grading, but um, but we've passed past that, and I think that that we've moved so far past that so quickly. I think is a really nice thing, and so that can that can give you comfort if this stuff bothers you. Just think how how quickly we've moved past yes, it. So, absolutely. so i mean absolutely. that's a good thing i feel like but the other thing is it's not just the the social you know problems of it the fact to me is that it, it is the cheapest of cheap jokes like yeah. as as somebody who appreciates a well-drawn joke it's so cheap to go to that well and i feel like buffy is above that and i think part of the reason why buffy doesn't go to that well that much is because they're just the writers are better than that you know
0: yeah usually mm-hmm. usually at least. usually
1: yeah everybody <laughs> has a bad day yeah
0: all right So, with that taken care of, let's move on to the big problem. The big problem in this is wow, the misogyny, the rank misogyny that is coming at you from every conceivable angle, from characters who have been established to be, you know, Mm -hmm. pro feminist. Yeah. To have actually more than just being established as pro feminist, Mm -hmm. characters who embody the ideals of feminism. Right. Mm -hmm. To have those characters saying the most banal and obvious misogynistic right. things.
1: Well, it's Willow,
0: really. Who gets well, I'm talking most about Willow. That, I'm talking about Buffy. Buffy's yeah. take on men in this mm-hmm. episode is just the worst, and it's the it's kind of thing incredibly flat. You, you know? can forgive to a point.
1: Any well, her one boyfriend of these just turned evil because she had sex with him. So, I mean. Right. I, okay. I, I'm not gonna say that in my years I haven't had like you know bitter moments like sure. that, but I, I've never forgive, turned anybody evil. But. You
0: can forgive <laughs> individual lines, right. individual mm-hmm. moments in this script, but taken as a whole, yeah, it has a singular viewpoint, which is, wow, girls are pretty sucky, huh? Isn't it great to be a guy?
1: Right. Yeah. Girls
0: are weak and incapable and. Ugh.
1: Yeah, well, but at the same time, I don't feel like, like Kane is obviously, you know, Kane expresses a lot of those misogynistic, you know, uh, uh, well, lines, no. but he's also portrayed as a jerk, like we're supposed to see him as a jerk. So it's almost like, and I feel like, again, it's a cheap joke. It's just, it's just for a cheap joke. I, I feel like they're selling out, um, you know, humanity, they're selling out gay panic, they're selling out feminism for the joke
0: no you can do I, I i don't agree i i you can do you know kane as mm-hmm. a caricature of a misogynist and that's fine and god just and if, if you're doing that just delete him from your script because you don't need him um, well he
1: doesn't serve a narrative purpose no, absolutely. anyway so mm-hmm. um
0: so you can have that and that's fine but To have that in this episode, where Willow is uncomfortably misogynistic, where Willow and Cordelia's conversation is, you know, uncomfortable, where Willow is concerned that making the first move with Oz will turn her into a slut.
1: Well, no, that kind of stuff is just... Part of it is, and again, reality is no defense for fiction. Part of it is that, like, girls do feel like that at that age. They don't understand. Uh, and, and there's not a lot of empowering messages out there in the mass media to kind of, like, help them understand that asking a boy out doesn't make you a slut, you know? Um, and that, Right. And but that, we've got
0: this take yeah. on, we've got this take on, this critical take on Cordelia's right. sexuality mm-hmm. and, and you know, alleged Vague promiscuity, who they all knows the truth yes, behind yes, that. Yes, yes. Then we've got Willow worrying about the same thing about herself. And Buffy, by the way, present in both scenes mm-hmm. and doing nothing to dissuade Willow at no right. point saying, hey, that's not OK. You right. should worry about that. Buffy's response to Willow's concern about making the moves on us, making her a slut is, right. I think your reputation can stand it. Like yeah. just this once, sure. Yes, it would make you a slut under other circumstances. Under other circumstances, this circumstances once, because but because you've spent your entire life building up, being you know,
1: incredibly pure. Good yeah, girl you've got, points. you've got, you've got, you know, a uh, virgin credit on your, yeah, exactly. on your card. Yeah, um, yeah. No, it is definitely problematic. I think because so much of that, so many of those things are are taken as uh as acceptable as the, the, Kane is challenged in his misogyny but Buffy and Willow are not okay. challenged in, in there
0: In what way is Kane challenged in his misogyny?
1: Well, he's obviously a jerk. Everybody's disgusted by him, you know, everything he says. You know, and we there's no man, nobody man enough to like, you know, clear this town of monsters and then she bends his rifle. She bends
0: the rifle, mm-hmm. which I mean <laughs> okay, Which, not to okay, get Freudian let's, exactly. Yes, no, yes, I was already yes. there. Yeah, Th- yeah, there's no way to not be there. There's no, um, way to not be there. <laughs> no, and you're right. Uh-huh. Some there are moments when when there is a certain opposition to at least his stated misogyny. Yeah. But I'm not sure that. That the subtext of that misogyny, there's an element to which we are begging the question of that Mm -hmm, misogyny. There's an element Mm -hmm. to which we're just, no, okay, it's a given. Right. But this specific example can be opposed in this specific way. Mm -hmm. It's uncomfortable, particularly when we clear all of these hurdles. Mm -hmm. We make it finally to the last gasp of the episode. Yep. And Willow equates lycanthropy <gasps> with menstruation.
1: Yes. No. I'm not that much fun now, three days of the month either. Yeah. This
0: is the perfect example of a joke that, in another script, you would totally let f- let by. We-
1: no, it, this is the thing where when you've been poked too much in the same spot yes. you get a bruise. And so Willow just hit the bruise. Now this is the kind of line that you, you know, that Willow is saying to like make a joke and make him feel better without actually meaning it. But you're right. In the context of this episode, it's like you don't you guys don't have any like grace, any wiggle room. It's gone. You know, mm-hmm. you have beaten us over the head with these kind of misogynistic messages and accepted. You know, it's it's yeah. one thing if if you have like a character who's a misogynist and we're all aware that he's a jerk and yada, yada. And we do have that to a certain degree, but these accepted things, you're supposed to be a girly girl, which means you're weak. You're supposed you know, um, yep. don't, I can't ask him out because that'll make me look like a slut. Oh, Larry reputation is, can handle it instead of no, that's not being a slut. Yeah, you know, that
0: Larry is redeemed from his, you know, gross and explicit sexual assault. Exactly. Because he's a tortured soul. You right, guys, right. I mean, any one of these things you can whistle past. Yeah. But all of them on mass give all the of sense of an absolute take on feminism and on women. Yeah. You know that is that is a little just, too it's 1950s. Gross.
1: It's one thing when you're wearing the 1950s clothing. It's another thing when you're wearing the the social assumptions. Um, <laughs> that that's when it becomes problematic.
0: Yeah. No, I, I think you're right. I mean, okay, I, I'm kind of opining. Mm-hmm. On feminism, which yes. as a guy, that's a, that's a difficult thing to do with any kind of authority. No,
1: I think men have just as much right to a feminist card as women
0: do. Oh no, sure, I think sure, that, sure. You know,
1: absolutely.
0: Yeah. I was leading up to asking you though whether yeah. you felt personally offended by the episode.
1: I felt in a offended. way that you usually
0: don't feel. I felt after offended by Buffy. the
1: writing. I felt offended by how lazy the jokes were. Honestly, like <laughs> um, the the rampant misogyny um, is is annoying, and yet you see it so much that you kind of get you don't get used to it in Buffy. Buffy, let's just you know put it out there. Buffy has its you know. Feminism card. Buffy is absolutely a feminist text. Buffy does so much for showing strong women in strong characterization. Cordelia, and, and Willow, not just Buffy. Buffy right? Yes, sure. I mean, Buffy as a show. I yeah, mean, yeah. No, a I, I
0: wanted to clarify that because yes. one of the objections to Buffy the Vampire Slayer is yeah. that its take on feminism is you know blonde and lithe and ass kicking. No, no, and that's mm-hmm. the shallowest and most superficial no. reading of Buffy as a feminist. Willow text. is a
1: fantastic of she is. feminist. Cordelia. Model. My Cordelia God. is a fantastic Cordelia feminist is model, hands down the most progressive person in this episode. how they keep calling her a slut. But the thing is, is that she rejects that label. So Absolutely. that's the thing. Like so, she with Cordelia, empowered. I'm okay because she's like, no, yeah. screw you. I'm, she's never ashamed. I'm she's never, you know. know so I'm, I'm I am good actually with Cordelia.
0: quite in love with Cordelia. I think, I think, I think Cordelia is feminism. fantastic. Absolutely.
1: So you know, I mean. There are things that offend me more like the fact that women don't get paid as much as men like that kind of stuff offends me this stuff annoys me and I'm more offended by writers that didn't take the time to bother to to really make sure that that your story stands up so it's actually the the story flaws in this that, that bother me more yeah, than yeah. The, the questionable gender politics because as a whole, this is one episode and Buffy has 143 other episodes that give women <laughs> ass-kicking power. So, yes. you know...
0: But yes. in a way, that's going to make our judgment of this episode all the more it does,
1: harsh. It does make me, you know, disappointed in yeah. this episode. and um, Particularly
0: yeah. because the rest of the episode is quite so ramshackle, you know?
1: Well, but the stuff that's good, like, if you could take the stuff what I would like to do is cut out Cain, cut out the gay panic, cut out the misogyny, take okay, everything great. else and give it more room. Yes, because you werewolf. have like 17
0: minutes of television. If no, you cut but all of give that Oz
1: stuff. more room. I mean, this no, is about Oz's you, yeah. like descent into the supernatural. After just a week ago, seeing the first vampire get yeah. dusted. And let me just give Oz a little bit of cred. I would be smoking cigarettes with a glass of scotch. And I mean, just like so stressed out. <laughs> well, at that's this.
0: because you don't possess Oz's ineffable cool.
1: No, he is unbelievably cool. Do. He just, he cannot. (laughs) That man cannot be ruffled.
0: All right, let's talk about where this episode is going to fall on our big list of every Buffy episode ever. Uh, To frame this a little bit, I I made the connection earlier uh, between this episode and Bad Eggs, and I feel Mm -hmm. that Bad Eggs has some of that same... Bad Eggs missed the opportunity to meaningfully talk about motherhood,
1: Yeah, uh, despite
0: Mm -hmm. seeming to talk about motherhood. This episode misses the opportunity to talk about, A, you know, humanism, to talk about the human within the monster and and what really matters there. That is a
1: a fascinating thing, like this idea of the human, the monster, how much of a monster is he? Is he really just half animal, half human? And we can't hold an animal responsible for what he does during those times. Exactly. Um, I mean, there's so many really Great, interesting questions to ask, and we don't have. Any room. I mean, that's right. the thing. You get rid of Kane, you get rid of the gay panic with those extra, like, 25 minutes. Sure. You can really
0: explore all of those well, things. And that's just one half of it because the other half of this is to talk, of course, about puberty, to talk yeah. about adolescence, to talk about right. transformation, to talk about sex. Mm-hmm. We have this thrown out line from Kane that werewolves are attracted to sex. Right. Which is enough, apparently, to get Buffy to the bronze, the <laughs> most sexless <laughs> nightclub <laughs> in history. Unless Buffy is doing her slinky dance all up on Xander. No, true. That is perhaps the only time that anyone's pulse has been quickened inside the (laughs) bronze. Besides, (laughs) of course, vampire attack. Uh, But apart from that, we get no kind of no real position on that. We get Mm -hmm. no no thematic insight into adolescence, transformation, sex.
1: Oh, and that transformation for—I mean, the the literal transformation for Oz, but also that transformation from uh, from being you know a kid to being a, yeah, a yeah. an engaged sexual adult. Um, all of these things are fascinating which themes that could have been part Buffy of Buffy nods towards
0: when mm-hmm. she talks about you know boys grow body hair and lose the no, ability to say what I mean,
1: they want. Which, well, no, but the thing that's wonderful is that she has just had this incredibly transformative sexual experience, which unfortunately also turned incredibly traumatic. Yeah. Um and And I think that there there's so much missed opportunity in that there's so much crunch available in the themes of this episode that it could have been. So, you know, and to spend more time with Oz. I'm sorry. You got a guy like Seth Green, utilize that actor. He is well, amazing. And we you know? will.
0: You know, in, in no, due course we, we will. will,
1: but this um, is such a great opportunity to do that. And it feels like a missed opportunity to me.
0: No, I I couldn't agree more. And Oz is gonna be around for a while. Mm-hmm. So we we're, yeah. we're gonna have some more Oz yeah. stories. Um so I, I'm looking at Bad Eggs on the list yeah. and thinking that that's not actually a bad place for this episode. Immediately above Bad Eggs is Some Assembly Required and immediately mm-hmm. below is Income Mummy Girl. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and this is not a... Uh, besides the feminist position yeah. that mm-hmm. this episode takes, or the anti-feminist position, I should say, this episode takes, it's not a bad episode. It's not offensive in the way that Ted is, or the way that Jane is, or honestly, the way that Teacher's Pet mm-hmm. is. Mm-hmm. It's not dumb in quite that way
1: no it's it's more uh, missed opportunities and then and then just laziness in the writing and so for me like that the lazy joke bothers me enough that like i would put it (laughs) i would put it lower but that's just i think me because that that that, that's a perfectly
0: that's a perfectly good criteria by which to 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 judge this episode in particular okay well let's start with bad x is it better or worse would you say than bad x oh I would I would actually say while the lows are lower uh-huh. and while there is a lot more problematic material, the, the highs are is, higher.
1: Yeah. And plus we have, you know, people pushing around Giles's car, which I think <laughs> as far as the do I want to watch a, it again? That's a weird thing. I to want judge to watch the episode those for. things again. No, that's hilarious. When they're okay.
0: pushing the car. Uh, Well, let's let's jump up right. to another kind of thematically similar episode. Mm-hmm. The pack. Is mm-hmm. this better or worse than the pack? I think
1: it's Oh, I think it's.
0: Oh. See, I, I feel quite powerfully that this is worse than the pack because the pack, for all of its 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 flaws, yeah. does communicate the thing that it intends to communicate. It does and, explore and does it with well, more authority yeah. that thematic space.
1: And I don't think it went to it went to cheap,
0: you know, yeah. lazy
1: writing. So I would definitely put it below the pack. I mean, you know, my discussion is is. Should it be below bad eggs? You know? Oh, you're you're so, still on that. Okay, okay, Yeah, so I'm kind of still like I'm I'm on the lower end of, but I tend to like judge a little more harshly, I think, than you do.
0: I don't think that that's actually that borne actually out true? by the content of the last twenty perhaps, episodes of Dusted. Actually, perhaps not.
1: Perhaps uh, <laughs> I think that we judge more harshly based on different things. But, I
0: think that yeah. I'm comfortable. Kind of, it's very close to bad eggs for me. Um, I
1: can go. I can go below bad eggs. Okay. And I'm do you think that's a good that?
0: I do think the highs of of I do think that the highs of phases right. are higher than the highs of bad eggs. Mm-hmm. There's nothing in bad eggs that's as good as. There's um, nothing in bad eggs that's as
1: lazy either.
0: No, sure. That's no, the a, lows. Yeah. The lows. I would say you're right. Are probably definitely lower yeah. than 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 bad mm-hmm. eggs, but. Yeah. I could make an argument either side of bad eggs. But I mean, I like these writers. That it should be worse, you know, I with.
1: like these writers, and I love the director. And so I hate, like, you know, for for these yeah, are the people that wrote <laughs> the Dark Age, which we absolutely which loved. is third
0: on our list right now. Right, so so, it's not you know the fault of the writers these, as much as these writers it's the fault of this particular like script.
1: everybody just had a bad sure. week, you know, and it happens to everyone.
0: And there may well be production issues here about you know
1: who even knows no. what the circumstances were under which this this was made. It was it was a lot of missed opportunities they're good writers who had a bad week and that's it you know
0: alright let's put it below bad eggs does mm-hmm. it go above income Girl for you
1: I think so yeah I think so
0: Inca Mummy Girl also struggles with some of that thematic stuff, but but Inca Mummy Girl is just.
1: But Inca Mummy Girl doesn't have the. <laughs> the there are really like phases. luminous moments here in phases that can be a lot of fun. So. Phases
0: is certainly better, I would say, than Teacher's Pet. Mm-hmm. Um, so okay, above or below Inca Mummy Girl?
1: I would say I would say below bad eggs, above Inca Mummy. All Girl. right,
0: I'm comfortable with that. Okay. You, the problem with an episode that, that is as patchy as mm-hmm. this one, that is as inconsistent as this right. one, is that you can actually make a case for several mm-hmm. points, yeah, depending no. on which part of the episode you're thinking and about. And
1: honestly, like, I... Because Larry, depending on which Larry part goes I'm in the top about. half of the exactly. list. Exactly. Yeah. Know? You know, and there's stuff that's really, really good here. And I do like these writers a lot. So I hate doing this, like, whole condemning the lazy writing thing. But um, now, the
0: writing in this script is insufficient. Yeah. It is not up to the task. And it lacks a primary focus mm-hmm. that my God, it needs desperately. Yeah. And honestly, I think just reframing that central conflict, tightening it up, putting our focus rid where of pain, it should be.
1: Using the thematic material that is thick on the ground yeah. and just using it.
0: Yeah. yeah just give us, mm-hmm. give us more of the episode from Willow's POV. Allow this to be Willow Make exploring sexuality. Willow if that is Absolutely. the episode, then it's, it's, you know, Absolutely. top of the list. Yeah. Um, but unfortunately it just, not It
1: just it connect. misses in so many places yeah.
0: Next week we are going to be looking at <laughs> is, is it spoiling anything to say that this is one of your favorites?
1: Oh it is not <laughs> it is not.
0: Next week Bewitched, Bothered and Bewildered <laughs> a, a Xander episode that oh. will I guarantee for better or worse will change the way you look at Xander I think Harris. it's going
1: to be very divisive because this is the episode that a lot of the Xander haters use as the example of why they hate Xander.
0: Which is not an indefensible position position. It's also yeah. one of the episodes that I think you can use to prove Xander's heroic qualities yeah. uh next week so a marty noxon script next week that's something and, to really yeah look forward i'm looking to. I'm, very I'm,
1: much forward to that
0: absolutely that is it for this week's episode of dusted we will of course have a very brief spoiler section there's not yes. that much to talk about but we'll have a little brief a little spoiler bit. section yeah, after yeah. the music that we will play in just a minute if you enjoy dusted if you enjoy story if you would like us to do more if you somehow have an hour of your day that isn't filled up with <laughs> our voices narrating something to you then you can support us via our Patreon page, patreon.com slash storywonk. That is P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash storywonk. Pledge there a dollar a month or whatever you can afford and help us make more podcasts. More podcasts without advertising. There is a reason that you don't hear us interrupt the show to talk about, I don't know, NatureBox or Squarespace or Audible. (laughs) It's because you guys fund us directly and Mm -hmm. we are only responsible to you. We will do the content that you want to hear. We are, as ever, we're hugely grateful and appreciative of all your support and of the ongoing correspondence that we receive from you via yes! email. You can email podcast at via Twitter, you can find us at Storywonk, or via the Storywonk Forum, forum.storywonk.com, where you can find the the best and smartest and most insightful Buffy mm-hmm. fans anywhere on the internet. Talking all about Buffy and picking these episodes apart, and oftentimes arguing with us, which Absolutely. I really enjoy. <laughs> There's nothing I love more than like a well-informed debate. Oh no, I love when the they come in and they're
1: Buffy. like, "How dare you put that episode at this point on the thing?" And it's kind of it's kind of fun to see people, you know, really have these different responses. Yeah,
0: yeah, it, it's a ton of fun. That is available at forum.storywonk.com. That's it for this week, you guys. Next week, next. Thursday we yes. will be back with another episode of Dusted. There's been some production movement but but you know you can read about that over on storymonk.com. Mm-hmm. Next Thursday we'll be back with our take on Bewitched, Bothered and Bewildered. Until then I'm Alistair Stevens and I'm Lonnie Diane Rich. And this is Dusted.
1: All right. So here we are in the super secret spoiler zone. And <laughs> uh, and I have to talk a little bit about Larry and about how much I absolutely love Larry. I recently watched uh, the episode where we have the bizarro world where Anya comes in and Cordelia makes the wish yes. uh, that Buffy had never come to town. The wish. The fact. wish yes. is exactly the episode. <laughs> um and in this episode, um, we have like this alternate universe, what would have happened with Giles if Buffy had never come to town? Of course, he assembles a group of Scoobies on his own. And Larry is in the group and Oz is in the group. And then this girl, Nancy, who we see for 30 seconds, and I love her. <laughs> and there's something about that actress that she's just amazing. And I wish that she had had been in Buffy a lot, lot more. Um, but he has this team of, uh, you know, of Scoobies that are there. And uh, Larry is fantastic. And he's you know like stable and wonderful and just a good guy and Oz of course is Oz which is which is wonderful and it's nice to see him be you know uh be non-vampiric considering that both Xander and Willow have been turned in this alternate universe um but even just in that little bit like when you see Larry from this point forward he is kind of such a sweet guy and and capable and nice and normal and you know emotionally and mentally balanced I really love him
0: no he's great uh Larry was an interesting kind of point of debate or becomes I should say an interesting point point of debate in the wake of the season 3 finale Mm -hmm. where he is killed by the mayor but because of the circumstances of his death it wasn't at all clear that he had actually Mm -hmm. died it was possible that he was just somewhere out there and we just never saw him again Mm -hmm. until season 6 it's confirmed
1: (laughs) that Larry does die
0: during the battle with the mayor he really does become a great character an enormously progressive character and my god the charisma of that actor
1: I love that guy
0: he's he's fantastic I'm a huge Huge fan of, of Larry. The thing that I kept thinking of while watching this episode was Wild at Heart, mm-hmm. the early season four episode yeah. that basically tackles Oz and werewolfism yeah. and sexuality mm-hmm. and this whole kind of, of, of I don't know, the, the, the whole disordering and transgressive nature of that. You know, the yeah. essential savagery and wildness at the heart mm-hmm. of being a werewolf. Right. Uh, and it does it in just such a more powerful and impactful and, and evocative way. right? Um, it is
1: everything that this episode failed to be, yeah, you know? Yeah. And, uh, and the thing about the werewolf thing that always disappointed me is that they never really do anything with it. It's always just an excuse to put Oz in a cage for a couple of days a month. And if there was a possibility for Oz to take control of his, which we see a little bit of that happen in, in season four when he goes off to like Tibet or whatever. and sort of, yeah. But he controls it in the way that he doesn't let it out. When he is the wolf, he doesn't have control. Yeah. And I would love to see, I would have loved to have seen them give him control so that he could be like an active and useful part of the team. Yeah. You yeah. know, and add something to well, that.
0: Yeah, I'm not sure. Because you don't want another, you know, supernatural, super powered Mm-hmm. character you know how how at that point does the show do anything else but turn into also the vampire slayer you know
1: oh no because I mean, into every generation a slayer
0: is born also sometimes she has a pet dog
1: in the same you know? way the angel doesn't become the vampire slayer nobody's the slayer no
0: but angels of that world you right know, that that's a very specific and 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 purposeful connection mm-hmm. um I I, I like the broadening of, you know, the magical supernatural realm. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm I'm actually glad that they didn't give Oz any kind of conscious control over his lycanthropy. I'm I'm glad that they didn't make it a power that he has. Yeah. Well except very specific circumstances where it will become a power that he has well, and, yeah. under very, you know, specific conditions. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The fact that he's a werewolf does become enormously significant. But mostly it's a curse. Mostly mm-hmm. it just kind of sucks right. for mm-hmm. him. Yeah. Which is what we're going to see explored much more fully and, and not until we hit season mm-hmm. 4 really yeah really we, we
1: don't spend for for him being a werewolf we don't use it dramatically very much at all
0: <laughs> we really don't and i know that there are some people out there you know who who really oppose the idea that Oz is a werewolf who yeah. like him much more just as a normal guy
1: you just want him to be another and, yeah
0: Honestly, I'm not sure. I, OK, I really like what they do with Oz in the final kind of movement of his story right. in Buffy mm-hmm, the Vampire Slayer. Mm-hmm. So I, I'm glad that that exists. Yeah. At this point, if you asked me, would, you, would I rather have Oz the normal guy, who mm-hmm. we've seen over the course of the last you know season, or Oz the werewolf? I would pick Oz the normal guy. I don't, I don't think, think this Oz episode does enough to establish. Well,
1: this episode doesn't do much. But, yeah. but I mean, we've got a normal guy. We've got Xander. You know, so yeah, but we O's don't need a different another guy. He's yeah. he's a
0: he's a very different take mm-hmm. on that. He yeah. brings a nice dynamic. He has already, you know, by the time we hit phases, brought a nice dynamic into the Scoobies that I that I appreciate. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure that making him a vampire, you know, adds much to that. I keep doing me. that too.
1: Making no. him <laughs> yes,
0: a lycanthrope. A uh, lycanthrope like does much to add to his character at this point, as I said, ultimately I really like where at we go. At the end with
1: of the arc, I like what they do. Yeah.
0: Let's take just a moment to talk about Angel and the way that they're building that threat. Ooh, um, it was the nice way that because this is our third kind of iteration of this, mm-hmm. right? We had the Master in season one, who would right. show up from time to time and make his presence felt. Right. Then we had Spike in the first half of this season, showing mm-hmm. up from time to time to make his presence felt, and now it's Angel, mm-hmm. and it's far and away the most accomplished of those. Three. Oh,
1: it's wonderful. It's wonderful the way he dispatches with Teresa and sends yeah. that message for Buffy. It's
0: amazing. The purposeful yeah. torment oh. that we're seeing here. Is, and is,
1: what Angel does in the second half of this season, everything that happens with Angel in the second half of this season is just amazing. I love it.
0: Right. Particularly when we hit the episode. Oh, my gosh. Is that? Is that?
1: I think it's right after. It's
0: right after. Passion. Yes. <laughs> When we No when we hit I only have eyes for you
1: Oh I only have eyes for you Oh my god No that's unbelievable That is such a good episode
0: So we're going to delve Deep into Angel's malevolence There's so much Wonderful stuff Coming with
1: that Yeah there's a ton, And it was one of the Best parts of this episode
0: Yeah Mm -hmm. it's really Interesting to be At this point um, Because clearly You know Mm -hmm. We didn't talk about it In the body of the show Phases is quite The disappointment When you're coming down From surprise and innocence
1: Oh yeah To
0: have a silly Inconsistent Nothing much of anything Kind of episode On the the heels of that. Well, not
1: just silly inconsistent, but like actively offensive. Well, yeah, I
0: mean, sure. <laughs> I meant to say that even having right. just a silly, okay. that would be bad enough. Yes, that would now. be bad enough. Yeah. But there's a lot of mm-hmm. of great stuff and great stuff in a number of unexpected directions. Mm-hmm. You know, I really like next week's episode. Um, oh, yeah. And that's not angel centric. You know, no. it's it's mm-hmm. not part of this ongoing,
1: mm-hmm. you
0: know, drama build up toward mm-hmm. the inevitable climax. We really only have, you know, I'm, I'm sure that listeners who are listening to the spoilers are no. Exactly what I'm talking about. Yeah, we really only have one more dud mm-hmm. in the rest of the season. Oh God, yes. we are we are looking real good for the rest of season. No, two it's
1: here. it's shaping up rather nicely. Yeah. yeah, so I'm really looking forward to that. So we will be back next yes. week, you
0: guys, to talk about all of that. Thanks for sticking with us. Thanks for your patience with this episode being just a little late, and thank you for understanding our move to the brave new frontier. Of Thursdays. Yeah, right. It's a very exciting time for all of us here. <laughs> so that's it for the spoiler zone. We'll be back next week. Thanks for listening.